Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Monday, February the 13th. Our reading this morning is a continuation of the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. Mark, chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. It's three short little verses, and uh, they're quite surprising verses. And yet, their shortness contains uh, a great lesson for our everyday lives as well as for our spiritual life. In this particular short episode, the Pharisees come forward and began to argue with Jesus. Now that seems, well, what else is new? The Pharisees are always arguing with Jesus. They're always uh, in conflict and confrontation with Jesus because they perceive him to be a threat to their power, to their privilege, uh, to their status. They're very comfortable the way they are. Uh, No use disturbing the ant nest. And yet Jesus is, in many ways, a disruptor. A disruptor of their desire for glory and power for themselves. And not to lead those who have been entrusted to them by God to a deeper communion with God through Christ, his Son. And the word is very important. We come forward in order to argue with Jesus. Now, in our everyday lives, we are surrounded by, at times, maybe permanently, people who like to argue. Now, argue is different than debate, discuss, converse, to have a dialogue. Argue, in the case of the Pharisees, It comes from being argumentative. And we know that there are people who are simply argumentative. No matter what you say, no matter how you say it, no matter what your intention is, you will never find common ground because they live on the battleground. They're not happy unless there's argument, unless there's confrontation. Uh, They don't want to stand on the same ground as you in order to find common ground because in order to have a real debate, and there's nothing wrong with a debate, a civil discourse, a civil discussion, a disagreement, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem lies when you're argumentative. It often then becomes personal. It's not about an issue an event, a situation. It's rather about attacking the person. And we have too much of that today, don't we? We don't uh, any longer respect and discuss in a civil and respectful way. We're so filled like uh, uh, Brillo pads we can't wait to 
have our quills out like the porcupine, just ready to let them fly. We see it in the political realm. We see it in the religious realm, sadly. We see it in our everyday lives. There are people who simply will not find common ground so there can be fruitful discussion. Because when you have common ground, you have at least some point of reference from which to begin. From which to begin. And that's important because common ground at least gives you a common point of reference from which you can speak and respectfully listen to the other as hopefully the other listens respectfully to you. And then maybe at the end of the discussion, the debate, uh, you have to uh, disagree without becoming disagreeable. Uh, You can disagree and still have respect uh, for the other person, to still be civil of the other person, and perhaps even learn something from the other person, as the other person may learn something from you. Ronald Reagan was fond of saying, I always learn more with my mouth shut than my mouth open. And that's true. And what is at the heart of this uh, this argumentative personality? First of all, people who live in argument, they're often fearful. They're fearful of intimacy. They're fearful of getting close to another person. They're afraid that such contact uh, may somehow diminish them, or they're afraid of becoming intellectually or emotionally connected to another person. And so they keep that distance. Words become a kind of shield against any kind of human contact. These are the people that Jesus often refers to as having hardness of heart. No matter what you say, how you say it, no matter your intention, they will never agree because their hearts, their hearts, it's not their mind. They understand perfectly what you're saying. They understand the words. They speak the same language verbally. But their hearts are very different. It's the will. I simply do not want to understand. They understand at that level. They hear, but they don't listen. They comprehend the words, but they refuse to understand the meaning. And so the Pharisees come forward and they want to argue with Jesus. They begin to argue. Why? Because they were looking for some sign, some heavenly sign from him as a test. Notice, see, there you go. We're going to test Jesus. Uh, There's no trust. There's no belief. There's no openness to what Jesus has said. No. They've already made up their mind. They are convinced and Jesus is convicted. That's the problem. We have many people who have their convictions and their convictions become 
a conviction of you as a person. And Mark tells us with a sigh from the depths of his spirit. We've we've had that. We call it exasperation. We just go, oh, here we go again. Those people are exhausting. They're exhausting. And the more we try to discuss, the more we try to have them understand what we're saying and how we're saying it, the more they dig in to their resistance. And Jesus sighs from the depth of his spirit. It is so exhausting. Why does this age seek a sign, Jesus says? I assure you, no such sign will be given it. In other words, Jesus is saying, no matter what happens, no matter what I do, you've already seen signs. You've already heard me speak. You've seen the exorcisms. You've seen the healing. You've seen uh, all of the things that I have done. And you want more. You want a heavenly sign. As if what I have done is not a sign that the kingdom of God is among you and within you. And Jesus is the kingdom of God. I assure you, no sign will be given. It won't be given, not because Jesus doesn't want to, not because he can't. It's because no sign will have any effect on them. None will be given. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. That's what happens. At a certain point, we have become so entrenched in our own beliefs, in our own convictions, in our own hardness of heart, that Jesus simply gets in the boat and sails to the other side. We are the ones, not Jesus, who have ended everything. That is the sin against the Holy Spirit. The one sin that Jesus said cannot be forgiven. Why? Because we don't want to be forgiven. You can't force forgiveness on another person. You can't force love on another person. You can't force gifts on another person. It's not a gift anymore. It's an imposition. It's a burden. And it is exhausting. So, what can we do then? Do we just kind of, no, we pray. We pray for them, and we pray for ourselves. And maybe at another time, in another place, they may be touched by grace in the depth of their being, and their hard heart will become responsive, will become open. And we know that's true, too. That's true, too. That maybe that person wasn't ready to hear what we had to say. Maybe the person wasn't open for some reason, whatever it is. Maybe something happened in their life. Maybe something they're wrestling with at the moment. They just weren't ready to hear it. 
And that happens to us. And we, we experience that resistance. But then we also experience receptivity. At another point, grace has impacted our lives and we open ourselves to truly listen to the Word of God. At times, we may be resistant to God's Word and what God is telling us today. But maybe at another time and place, Jesus will get off the boat and come into our hearts because we have welcomed Jesus. So let us today not be resistant but receptive, not argumentative, but open, not with hardness of heart, but open with a heart renewed. Come, Lord Jesus, speak. Your servant is listening. God bless you.